Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 86, the championship time edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, we'll be talking about plenty of NASCAR titles that were decided, and probably the Formula One title was decided last weekend as well. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's good, brother? Yeah, I'm doing great, Phil. It's uh, been an interesting weekend of racing that we had. All three championships uh, came down to the wire, mostly uh, in NASCAR. And then, of course, uh, Formula One, Max Verstappen went out and added to his championship lead and probably uh, began to put the closing stages on on that title there So over Lewis Hamilton. So uh, we'll talk about that. You know, Jaguars won on Sunday, crushing uh, the Bills 9-6 to six or 69, <laughs> however you want to put it. And yeah. first win on U.S. soil in 420 days. And the other Josh Allen, yeah, the one on defense was really good yeah. on Sunday. Helped you out in fantasy. So, you know, we yeah. got a lot to talk about. Yeah, I had the right Josh. I mean, I'm a fan of the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, but I'm also now a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Josh Allen, who the former number five overall pick, I believe, of the Jacksonville Jaguars, top 10 draft pick for sure uh, from Kentucky who went I think it was like seven. Yeah. Yeah, something around there. I mean, and he went nuts on Sunday, and I'm like, okay, I like that. Um, He wasn't, I mean, the fact of the matter is Demi had DJ Watt, but and he scored like 18,000 points. But um, Josh Allen did work for me, uh, knocked off Wilson. I mean, he's still going to win the regular yes. season, <laughs> more than likely. He's still going to win the double win deal, but the guy is beatable. We have proven that. Now, in my case, it's uh, about making the playoffs. Uh, Josh is doing really well in that sense. He's ahead. He got me pretty good a few weeks ago, and he's doing pretty good. Um, much better than his actual team. I'm doing much better than my actual team. Um, I might get a few punches in on that, considering the hapless performance they put in against the Arizona Cardinals and Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy. They lost to Colt McCoy. Um, they let some guy named Ito something or another baptize Drake Kirkpatrick. Uh, Josh Norman got taught, got benched because he's a bitch. Um, and he can't cover anybody, uh, but it's more about Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, um, basically having, being geldings, um, and taking in the ass for, for Jed York and, and company, but we'll get into that. We'll get into, uh, Mexico, NASCAR, the roundup will cover Bahrain two for world endurance championship, supercars at Sydney last week and this week, MotoGP at and Moto2 at Algarve in Portugal. And now we'll be going to Valencia, Petit Le Mans this weekend. So that's one of the big, one of the two big races this coming weekend, along with the Brazilian Grand Prix. Uh, we'll get into the news of Kyle Kirkwood, the uh, wonderkind in American open wheel racing, who a few weeks ago might have been in the 26 car for Andretti Autosport. Um, on the same week that uh, his teammate, who was much uh, less competitive, uh, got a ride in the fourth Andretti Autosport car and is basically a, a root beer floathead uh, double. Kyle Kirkwood will now be driving for AJ Foyt. So it's got it's got a lot of feelings and thoughts of Robbie Gordon uh, going back to like 1993 here uh, because of how much talent Kyle Kirkwood has, how much winning he's done. Um, can this be like 
all these years later? Can it be like Robbie Gordon coming to AJ Foyt Racing, albeit he was a very, I think Kyle Kirkwood's more polished. We'll get into all that. Um, we'll yeah. get into football. We'll get into fantasy football, Josh's Sim segment, and show close. So, yeah, let's start with the Mexican Grand Prix. Uh, the race was basically over in the first corner because uh, through whatever plans, uh, you know, the Mercedes team had to slipstream with each other and uh, – try to hold off Max Verstappen. They allowed Max Verstappen to get past. Um, I mean, the, everybody wanted to blame Valtteri Bottas uh, because he didn't push Max Verstappen off the track. I would venture to say the Mercedes cars were crap um, and it didn't really matter. Uh, if you hear Karen Horner, he's still whining about Yuki Tsunoda going off the track. Um, you know, even though it had that, at the end of the day, it didn't matter. In the end, you had Yuki Tsunoda went off the track. He's having one of the, to get out of the way. Sergio Perez, for whatever reason, went and followed him in qualifying. And then Max are stopping because of the blue flags and get get the pole, but got the best position to qualify in. It doesn't even pay to qualify in the front row at Mexico. It literally pays for you to qualify third, which is idiotic. Um, but I don't think it mattered. If he qualified on pole, I think he would have gotten the start and he'd have gotten away. Instead, he gets third. He goes past his both Mercedes. Valtteri Botas gets hit by by Ricardo. Um, Ricardo's day was over. Botas's day was over. They got into DRS trains of disaster. Um, Lewis Hamilton basically was holding on for dear life the whole entire race uh, to to barely beat Sergio Perez. Uh, I mean, it was pretty farcical um event to say the least for mercedes um they max Verstappen ends up dominating winning by 16 and a half seconds uh sergio perez had much newer tires at the end they were doing strat they were able to go and alternate their strategies but perez even with newer tires finished uh what is it it's uh 1.2 seconds behind lewis hamilton uh yeah in third and then there was a huge gap to pierre gasly who finished fourth but had a great run great weekend charlotte claire finished fifth ferraris finished fifth and sixth while the mclarens only scored a solitary point with Lando Norris, um, Sebastian Vettel, Kimi Raikkonen, Fernando Alonso in between the two Ferraris and Lando Norris. Um, the three veteran former world champions, you're talking about seven world championships between that trio. So a great trio of the guys that were around here and, you know, talking about the mid early mid 2000s to, of course, Vettel's time here a decade ago or so. Uh, of course, Botas had issues. Stroll, what is it? Russell had a brutal weekend. Uh, Ricardo had issues too. So that also probably assisted in some of the finishing results. Yuki Sonoda crashed on the first lap along with Mick Schumacher with an assist from Esteban Ocon after the initial incident with Valtteri Bottas and Daniel Ricardo. So, yeah, I mean, that was basically it. I was doing fantasy. I think I was making my fantasy team for Mike Sanders NASCAR game during the, the race because it was so bad. My mom was watching it and uh, couldn't really. It was like it's it's hard to basically explain that this is just the race is over. But I'm like, yeah, the race is over a long time ago. So I'm just going to do other things. I was checking my f- football fantasy football teams and I was trying to figure out how I was not going to be 
a complete bummer on the Grid Talk podcast since I knew that this basically was the day that Lewis Hamilton lost the world championship. And I thought that a while ago. I think I was guilty of thinking that the championship was over months ago. But this felt different, Josh. After the U.S. Grand Prix and this race, I think it's over now. But what are your thoughts on and what did you feel about the race? Because I watched that. I watched the whole race. Then I decided to change over to what we're going to discuss here in a little bit uh, because I knew what was going to happen with that, generally speaking, there too. Yeah, I mean, first of all, as uh, we talk about this, I'll just briefly uh, talk about the uh, Crew 3 launch uh, that's happening not too far away from me. So, you know, SpaceX and NASA launching their crew and yeah, happening right now and it's pretty pretty awesome to watch that but no going back to formula one um i think yeah lewis hamilton it, i think it's probably virtually over like you said but i mean there's still a chance you, know, you could get on a heater late in there i mean there's still have a handful of races left but uh it's virtually it's become to that virtual unlikely uh portion where it's you know n- not likely to happen um it's going to take a lot i mean lewis would have to basically win all the races uh remaining here and then you know max would have to finish uh at, you know obviously in second or or lower and probably at you know third or lower um to really tighten it up um, you know, quickly, uh, so you know Lewis can get back into it. And I mean, based on the schedule, uh, with you know, Lewis's history and Max's history, just really hard to uh, foresee uh, any of that happening. Especially you know with um, the pace that Red Bulls had this year uh, compared to Mercedes, they've been uh, fairly more dominant uh, over you know course of the you know the season, having a lot more, a lot more pace, a lot more speed in their car. Um, Lewis would have to, it would, you know, have to take a lot. They'd have to bring out um, their best car and then would have to have a lot of things happen in the race or in the remaining races uh, for them uh, to uh, having any chance at the title. So, uh, you know, it's basically a Hail Mary uh, that they would have to have uh, for Max to, or for Lewis to have any shot at the title. So, We'll see what happens. I mean, anything can happen still. Of course, uh, there's, you know, we still have uh, time in the season, but uh, it's looking closer that uh, Max is going to end up wrapping up this title. Um, so, unfor- I mean, unfortunately for Lewis fans, it's disappointment. You know, if you're a Max fan, uh, certainly excited to see uh, somebody else besides Lewis win uh, for the first time or Mercedes win the F1 title for the first time. Uh, and, you know, since 2014, you know, you had Lewis and Nico Rosberg back in 2016. Uh, there's only champions that we've had in Formula One since then. But so I guess it's nice to see somebody different. But of course, you know, it would be also interesting to see it be a little bit more competitive. I mean, it has been competitive, but a little bit more competitive to where, you know, kind of like how in NASCAR, we've seen uh, the championship course that's structured to come down to the final race. Well, of course, you know, in IndyCar, the points always comes down to the final race, maybe something like uh, that happening in Formula One, where uh, we still see a head-to-head battle in the uh, last race of the year, or even the uh, second to last race of the year. So uh, disappointing on that part, but, you know, I mean, they've both had a good fight throughout the year. They both had their ups and downs throughout it. So uh, both of them should be commended for, uh, you know, really uh, challenging, really successful fight uh, throughout the year. But I mean, Max just able to continue to dominate. And like you said, use the draft at the beginning of the race, the slipstream, uh, get around both Mercedes and then uh, smooth sailing from there. Yeah, it was, uh, 
straightforward and something that um, has become more of the norm this year uh, compared to many years past for the people that weren't fans of Lewis Hamilton dominating. Well, Max is dominating now and uh, hard time believing that's going to change, but we'll discuss uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix. They'll have a sprint as well for whatever reason um, this weekend on Saturday. They'll have Friday afternoon qualifying, one practice, Friday afternoon qualifying, then they'll have Saturday, one practice, and then the sprint, and then the race. So we will see what happens with that, um, if it really makes much of a difference. I've, it, it hasn't, so far with these two sprints, there hasn't been a whole heck of a lot that's came from them, so I have a hard time believing that much is going to come from them. Uh, of course, much from this one especially. Uh, they'll be doing Brazil this weekend, of course, and Qatar next weekend since the geniuses at Formula One thought that the logistics of running the U.S. Grand Prix, then taking a week off, then running Mexico, and then Brazil and Qatar was a great idea instead of just doing the USA, U.S. Grand Prix Brazil, or Mexico and Brazil back to back to back, taking a week off, then running Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and Abu Dhabi three weeks in a row to go and destroy all the people that, that actually make this thing go and happen versus um, it's whatever, considering all the money these assholes have, you think that would be the way they do things. But, oh, well, uh, the points going into this coming this weekend's race, of course, uh, Max Verstappen has a 19-point lead on Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Josh went through basically what Lewis would need, you know, not even taking into account the fastest lap point. Um, Lewis is going to need a Hail Mary, uh, as uh, Josh said earlier, for this to work. Uh, Botas has a 20-point lead on Sergio Perez for third. Lando Norris is fifth, but only... 12 points ahead of Charles Leclerc. There was a while earlier this year that Lando Norris was third in points, and it was a big gap. Um, recent races, of course, Botas getting a win uh, at Mother Russia. Uh, all these things have kind of and uh, played uh, recent uh, races have played against Lando Norris, and now there's a possibility he could lose fifth in the driver's championship, might even fall to seventh. Uh, his buddy, uh, Carlos Sainz, is only 20 and a half out. Uh, Ricardo is eighth, actually. Um, now he's 45 points out of the top five. Gasly, after another solid performance, is ninth in points and uh, probably going to finish there. Fernando Alonso's extended his gap. He's in 10th. He's 14 points out of Ocon. Ocon could get overtaken by Sebastian Vettel. In the constructors battle right now, Mercedes and Red Bull, it's a point. Mercedes is up by one point. Uh, so the possibility of Red Bull getting both the drivers and constructors championship is back on. Uh, Ferrari has extended their lead in the constructors standings to 13 over McLaren after the nightmare weekend for them. Alpine and Alpha Tori after Gasly's fourth place finish are tied with uh, for fifth in a constructors championship. Um, and then the rest of the car teams are all kind of where they're going to be. Um, trying to see where else it's like um, Mercedes. I mean, they had no answers. I mean, to be fair, 
the qualifying situation. It could have been done prior to the Sunday itself if uh, the Red Bulls had been able to run their qualifying, I guess, but it wasn't meant to be in that sense. Um, And in terms of the the rest of the field, I think you look at what uh, transpired with Botas and Ricardo, those two guys falling out allowed the uh, former world champions to all kind of finish up front or finish in the top 10. And uh, in turn, it also uh, provided some interesting results behind, of course, the big battle. Um, Gasly standing out. Ferrari has picked up, I think, the second half of the season since I said this on Grid Talk um, that since Lando had that accident at the Belgian Grand Prix in qualifying, that he's lost whatever mojo he had. Granted, he finished second behind Ricardo at the Italian Grand Prix. But to be fair, Ferrari has been much better in for the last like three months plus whatever uh, than McLaren has. Uh, McLaren definitely seemed to be on the upper hand early in the season, but Ferrari has taken that mantle over. Their consistency more or less has been the key, and I think the balance. We've talked about the driver combination. It's you can I, the, their argument, of course, can be made. Of course, you have Max Verstappen, who's going to be the world champion more than likely, uh, but. And in Lewis at Mercedes, but in terms of balance, the Ferrari driver combination might be the best combination they've had in a long, long time. And they also have one of, if not the best driver combination in the sport right now, which means with the 2022 rules changes, Ferrari could be back, which would make so many people happy. Um, I mean, I, I mean, there's so many pieces there, so many good stories there. You got, Gasly and what he's doing to basically carry a team on his back. You have the Ferrari duo doing what they're doing um, to lift themselves up. Uh, I mean, you had some of these old, you know, former champions up there. Sergio Perez kind of making it seem like he could possibly win his home Grand Prix. There's a lot of, I mean, to be fair, behind the the lead battle, there was actually, or I mean, behind Max Verstappen, there actually was interesting stuff going on. Um, it's just that Mexico is not exactly the greatest. The Hermanos Rodriguez circuit is not one of the greatest for anything, really, for overtaking or whatever. I guess for fandom it is, if you're in that infield, the goofy stadium section, but... Uh, there's a lot of intriguing storylines as we get into the last four races of the uh, season, Josh. Yeah, I mean, definitely a, a lot of intriguing storylines, especially, you know, with, with the midfield. And you, know, you talk about McLaren versus Ferrari. And uh, I mean, Lando Norris, he's had four podiums. Ricardo's had one. Of course, that was his win. Uh, Carlos Sainz has had. Uh, three podiums and then Charles Leclerc has had uh, one podium, but all of um, you know, you know, with uh, McLaren, like their results have been more flashier, right? Cause they had that win. Lando's uh, finished uh, four times on the podium, but I think, you know, with uh, Ferrari, I think their results are more consistent, right? You know, they continue to quietly get, you know, sixth, seventh place finishes. They're getting in the points. And while, you know, it's nice to have a win, for McLaren, you know, at the same time, you have Ferrari just being able to consistently get results and that helps them continue to uh, put up points. And then they get uh, into the, you know, the uh, constructors championship, they're going to be ahead of uh, McLaren. So uh, all of that, you, know, you have to factor in just uh, 
the um, you know the results versus the wins. Um, so that's um, something to think about with uh, Formula One with uh, the midfield there, and you know also in, in this race. I mean, we had uh, you know former champions finishing all in a row. You had uh, Vettel, you had um, uh, Raikkonen, and you had Alonso all finishing together, and of course, uh, all of them are a lap down. And but of course, uh, probably had you know help uh, at least from that initial uh, incident on the first lap with Sonoda and Ricardo Botas and Schumacher all getting some kind of uh, you know involvement in that uh, accident there. And then um, you know Ricardo finished a lap down after having to replace the front wing, uh, so that took him out of contention basically. Although recover at least it's I guess it's some kind of recovery going from the back to 12th, but not much, uh, there. And then, you know, Ocon was involved in that as well as Sonoda drove over his tire. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, it was, I mean, definitely a good race for, uh, Vettel and also, uh, yeah, well, strolled finishing 14th, two laps down. So, um, you know, not really a great result for the team, but I mean, for me, I think the highlight was Gasly because, um, he wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really up there at the beginning, but then I think later on, uh, he was able to, um, I, after the first, yeah, I think after the first restart or, you know, yeah, after the safety car, he was kind of up there in the, uh, in the pack, uh, with, uh, the Red Bull and the Mercedes. Uh, so that, that was a good progress for them. Yeah. You know, again, shows that he's carrying the team, uh, for, uh, Alpha Tori. So, um, a lot of things, um, we have to see like with, um, Ferrari versus McLaren, they continue, uh, the last four races of the year um, will Ferrari may, I don't think I'll get a win, but um, do we see a, a podium out of either his cars or both of them uh, compared you know, to McLaren? And I think uh, Pierre Gasly um, continuing to uh, put up solid results, you know, quietly put up results. We'll see if he's able to uh, continue uh, getting points finishes for his team, carrying his team. And I, I think for Yuki Tsunoda, he had a good weekend at, Mexico City had a track he'd never been at before. So you consider Qatar, you have Saudi Arabia. Uh, those are two tracks that are going to be new for everybody. It could be an opportunity for him to go and stand out and do something to help in that battle for possibly getting fifth in the constructor's title over uh, the Alpine team who has a win this year. Uh yeah, when it comes to Ferrari, I think in the end, Ferrari's going to end up taking third in constructors uh, just based on the momentum. Uh, I think it's in their favor now. Uh, and they're dry, the, the balance is just there with the signs and, and Leclerc. Um, Lando has fallen off a little bit. Daniel Ricardo is not consistent enough right now for it to really turn around. And I, I mean, maybe things will turn around. I mean, who knows? Possibly, but uh, I, I don't see it. Um, it's something that we have, I mean, we have time possibilities of other uh, stuff coming up with the rest of these races, with the new races, but uh, we'll see what Ferrari can do. I think Ferrari is going to be able to come through and, uh, get third and um the th- in regards to the fifth and the drivers championship could get really interesting as we get to the end of this season we'll switch from formula one for now and we'll get back to that later uh we'll switch from formula one we'll go to nascar uh kyle larson ends one of i mean i don't is not his season really to be fair isn't over he's probably gonna jump in a midget and run the turkey night grand prix and win that fucking thing too 
uh, would probably run some other crap and win in that and his horrible wife will go and shotgun beers. Uh, but the fact of the matter is he went out there and won his 10th race of 2021 and won his first career cup series championship. Young money is uh, definitely the big money now. And he came through to do something that a few years ago, who knew there, there's thoughts whether he was ever going to come through like that. And he, he was able to, I mean, and, and this year it, it, it started out, you know, kind of rocky here and there, but he was able to, after he gave away Atlanta, um, at the, was it, that was what the fifth, sixth race of the season. He had already won at Vegas, but he gave away Atlanta to Ryan Blaney. And from that point on, I think, uh, there, what is he get Truex up there for a little while, Logano, Keselowski, I think in the month of May, things started to turn around to where the, mo- and the momentum went in his favor, uh, once they went to the Coca-Cola 600 and then from the Coca-Cola 600 on, it basically became a, a Kyle Larson benefit on the all-star race One Nashville, you know, there, there's a lot of winning he was doing a lot of different types of racetracks. And, you know, when you think about this playoff situation, um, he won Bristol, he won at the Roval, then he won the first two races of the round of eight, and then he won. So he did similar to what uh, Tony Stewart did, winning five out of the ten races in the in the playoff. Not to the same, not nowhere near the same drama as um, Tony had in regards to winning that championship. It was more convoluted in the sense. A great pit stop um, preceded by David Starr having a break a rotor explode and leaving debris on the racetrack uh, assisted uh, what was possibly uh, Martin Truex and Denny Hamlin. They were one and two. And I think Martin Truex was getting away. He probably was going to win that race, but then that caution came out and, and to be fair to all of those guys, I think they all were up there, had their runs up front. You look at the um, other than Hamlin, he didn't lead a lap in this race, which is shocking. Um, Chase Elliott led 94 laps. Larson led the most in the end. Truex led the third most laps. So really, one of those three guys was destined to win this race. Truex and Larson won the stages. Elliott was up there all day until the end. Um, There was also a fortuitous bump that um, by Elliott that assisted Kyle Larson arrow-wise and almost gave him more downforce grip, whatever, and made his car better, um, which is convenient. Um, Larson, Truex, Hamlin, Ryan Blaney in, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, why am I forgetting? Todd Gordon's last race as uh, crew chief finished fourth. Elliott as defending series champion finished fourth out of four and fifth overall. Um, Eric Almirola uh, finished sixth, so good run uh, for him to end the year in the IHOP Smithfield Ford. Uh, Kyle Busch seventh, Harvick eighth, who was up front early in the race, 
and then uh, disappeared later conveniently. Um, Christopher Bell, ninth, and Brad Keselowski, 10th in his last race for Penske after uh, 11 years at uh, 11, 12, whatever many years it was at Penske. And they did a bunch of great tributes. They brought out the glass that he had when he won his championship and put more Miller Lite in it. Um, considering what we're going to talk about in regards to the truck series, um, Brad handled his beer a lot better uh, this time. Uh, but yeah, Kyle Larson, uh, I think we've been saying this for a while, Josh, uh, but five out of 10 in this, uh, playoff, uh, kind of put the, put the bow on, on this, uh, present for Kyle Larson. He comes through fat fell and gets a champion again. He has two years in a row. His team has won the championship. He's gotten more marketing for HendrickCars.com, I think this year than he's ever had. And, uh, he has, Probably one of the best duos, well, you're talking about Ferrari's duo. I think the combination of Larson and Clyde is hard to 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 beat right now for a lot of teams. Toyota has issues with youth. Ford has issues with youth. But Chevy definitely doesn't because they have, uh, they have Larson and they have Clyde. So uh, Larson came through there. He clutched up. His pit crew clutched up there late in the race to go and give them uh, that championship and Cliff Daniels gets his first championship. All these guys that were part of Jimmy Johnson's last year, um, I guess the, they get to realize the potential that was possibly that was there um, with the guy who can win in basically anything. I mean, for Kyle Larson, you know, we talked about qualifying before, you know, last week we had Joe uh, Passero and we talked about what qualifying would impact for the championship for. And I mean, for me, I feel like i probably forgot that yeah whoever wins the poll uh would would have the first pit stall and Kyle Larson won the poll on Saturday and had the first pit stall selection uh, for the race and that obviously was a, a huge benefit for them uh because whenever they had a yellow uh Kyle Larson was usually one of the first cars off pit road if he wasn't the first car especially on that last caution restart is able to get uh the last or able to restart first, come out off pit road first, and that basically won him the championship there. Uh, and of course, driving on the track uh, as well. And I mean, throughout that race, uh, when yeah, stage two, I think they they were able to get off uh, in first place, and uh, they they had that opportunity to uh, win that stage as well. So Kyle Larson's pit crew helped him win this race uh, and win the championship. And like you said, in his interview, it wasn't just his victory, it was a team uh, victory because uh, because of that. And talk about his uh, championship run uh, throughout this year. I mean, even before he won the 600, there was a couple of races there where he uh, started to knock off a couple of top fives. And you could kind of tell he was going to uh, get on a run uh, pretty soon and go back to the uh, throwback Darlington race. Remember, he finished in uh, second to Martin Truex and might have had a chance to win that race. Uh, could have won Kansas, uh, finished second at Coda to Chase Elliott. Um, so he was starting to get up on an even four at 600. And just throughout, I mean, since then, I mean, has been pretty, uh, pretty fire, pretty on, on, on point with uh, his ability to win races and uh, just has had a fairly dominant year, 10 wins. First time we've had uh, double digit wins since uh, Jimmy Johnson in 2007. And yeah, so, you know, which was now the five car with Kyle Larson. So uh, a lot of, a lot of history there. Um, of course, uh, and yeah, Jimmy Johnson's uh, crew is able to uh, go from finishing out a legendary career and then 
uh, they get back to winning titles, which is what Jimmy uh, did, of course, winning seven of them during his career uh, there. So, uh, yeah, Larson continuing to, I mean, it was a dominating season for him, and uh, he was just able to use the high line, of course. Uh, and I think, yeah, he definitely benefited from having a short run because it seemed like his car, Chase Elliott's car, uh, they they had a 30-lap run where – they were really fast, but then after about 30 laps, uh, their cars faded. And then Joe Gibbs cars, Danny Hamlin, Martin Truex had a, a lot more pace. And you saw that when they had that long green flag run in stage three, uh, it looked like uh, Kyle Larson started to fade back to fourth. And it was like, well, maybe it's over for him. Chase Elliott was still trying everything, you know, about hit the wall uh, in the uh, the front stretch, uh, trying to get up to Denny Hamlin. Uh, and then it was looking like maybe Martin Truex and Denny Hamlin duke it out for the win. Of course, the brakes on front brakes on uh, David Starr explode. And then that resets everything. Kyle Larson gets off uh, pit road first and then just uh, drives like 25 perfect laps to get the title. And then Truex, you know, starting to catch back up to them uh, within the last couple of laps. Uh, got within half a second on the back stretch uh, before turn three. Uh, maybe could have, you know, sent it in there and everything, but I think he would have had to have been a little bit closer. And plus, of course, uh, the lapped car was on the inside line. So Truex wasn't really able to close anyways. Uh, so definitely a, a very close race uh, throughout that, uh, you know, throughout the entire race. I mean, Kyle Larson led initially, then his car started to fade. Chase Elliott came back up uh, and had his chance you know, Hamlin didn't lead any laps, but then you know, Truex was up there. And, you know, for a while we thought maybe this is Martin Truex title and wouldn't be wrong because he had won Phoenix, remember, back in the spring and had been very, very good on the uh, 750 tracks compared to the Hendrick cars. And then, of course, Kyle Larson uh, benefits from a short run there. So it was a pretty, you know, fair fight throughout that race. Uh, and I think, you know, one thing we talked about the, the points uh, system, of course, the winner take all championship. It, I mean, I think for the credibility of it, you know, for the series, at least the best driver this year actually won, you know, compared to in years past where that may have not been the case. I mean, I think last year, Harvick you know, was definitely the, the best driver. Hamlin was second best driver and neither of them ended up winning the title. And then of course, you know, Hamlin was the uh, only one that made it to the championship for, but then uh, Chase Elliott ended up being the champion uh, last year. And now this year, another Hendrick car wins, but at least it was the best Hendrick car and uh, the best uh, driver overall this season uh, in this playoffs, which I think if uh, you were to pull people, it was probably a bunch of football fans that uh, created the championship uh, format that we have, or at least if you were to survey people, it was uh, people who uh, wanted it to see this end up more like a football championship format or a, a basketball championship format. So uh, uh, at least for credibility, Kyle Larson wins. So a uh, lot of, uh, lot of uh, things that happened this year, uh, but you know, he's the most dominant driver this year that we had. And the whole redemption arc bit, um, on a weekend where certain drivers were doing stuff to figure out ways to cancel themselves out of the cup series. Um, Kyle Larson, uh, you know, going hard R and all that didn't matter in the end because he got out of the cup series and started winning every dirt race he raced, he ran, then it gave a free reign to Hendrick to go and get 
the guy he wanted. Um, I mean, Tony tried and Ford put the kibosh on it. Um, when a billionaire or multimillionaire can fund you and spend $30 million plus 50 million, whatever the hell it costs to run a cup team anymore, but um, basically run them out of pocket um, and you're free rolling with a guy who's that talented. Um, you give him the kind of equipment that Hendrick was able to give him this year, Cliff Daniels, all these different things. Um, and, you know, he puts it together. Uh, we will see what the Gen 7 will uh, bring for Kyle Larson, Cliff Daniels and company, uh, and how that will suit him and his driving style. Um, relative to some of the other drivers, you would think the Ford contingent after not getting uh, any drivers into the final four and having a pretty crappy year in general, uh, they're going to want to show up here next year in um, in a bigger way. And Toyota, you know, they have an age. They definitely have a l- lack of cars problem. But they also have an age problem because only Christopher Bell, and I mean, to a lesser extent, Bubba Wallace, of course, but Bell and Wallace are younger um, and the rest of the guys are veterans. Kyle Busch is looking at starting to go and tail to the other side. Um, Hamlin's in his 40s. Um, Truex 40s. I mean, I think Ty Gibbs is there, but who else is going to be there? Uh, you need at least three guys uh, right now to go and and um, and plus they need more cars out there. And I and you wonder with the way charters are and the way things are, how that's all going to land out. Um, Kurt Busch, of course, is going to be in a in another 2311 car that doesn't have a charter at the moment, um, but he's a he's an older guy. So they, that's another ride. I figure maybe John Hunter Nemechek will be a, a part of that discussion. Um, but, you know, even with what happened to him last weekend, uh, it was a weekend of uh, lasts, uh, last races and whatever. Um, you know, it was the last race for Brad Keselowski, as I mentioned, at Penske after all these years. Started there in 2010, moved from junior motorsports, went there in 2010, had a pretty rough year, but in, in 2011 took over the Miller Lite 2 car from Kurt Busch, uh, who ended up swapping over the 22 Pennzoil, Shell Pennzoil Dodge. Um, and Brad started a great relationship with uh, Miller Lite, you know, finished third in points in 2011, had a breakout season, won at Kansas and other, I forget, um, he broke his leg and then at Road Atlanta and then won at Pocono, which was pretty epic. And then, um, you know, he had a pretty dang good year. He won the Xfinity title in 2010. I think it was Nationwide Series back then, but uh, or might have been Bush Series. One of those. It was a Bush or Nationwide, one of them. And then, so first NASCAR title for Penske. Then in 2012, he won Penske's first cup title. Uh, won Penske the Brickyard 400 for the first time, won the Southern 500 for Penske for the first time since Bobby Allison did it in the AMC uh, Javelin back in the 70s. Uh, Never got the Daytona 500, unfortunately. Joey Logano was able to do that. Um, Got the 600 uh, last year. And, uh, you know, uh, he got a bunch of majors, won over 30 races, for Penske Racing, did a lot of firsts in NASCAR, a big, big part of what um, Penske Racing is in NASCAR competition as he moves to be a co-owner of what is 
has been Roush uh, Roush Fenway Racing, Roush Racing, then Roush Fenway, uh, to take over the six car from uh, Ryan Newman, who in his last race, more than likely in Cup, finished 23rd. And I'm just trying to go look through here. Ganassi, of course, in their last Cup race. Ross Chastain finished 14th. Kurt Busch finished 16th. Uh, the 21 is going to have an actual driver and not a um, January 6th -er. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not even going to go any further with that. Um, uh, going over here, Priest, the last race for the 37, JTG Doherty camp, uh, they finished 20th because, oh, Richard was on a, on a mission between him and Corey LaJoy. I think they were trying to wreck everybody in the field. Um, they wrecked Bubba Wall seven laps into the race, which was, or five laps into the race, which was ridiculous, um, because they're both morons. Uh, Quinn Huff. Thankfully, that's the end of Quinn Huff's Cup Series career, along with the uh, whatever the hell their team name is. Um, oh, God. Why am I forgetting the name of that? Starcom Racing. Starcom Racing is done. Um, making her crappy race car, showing up and doing nothing. Uh, Timmy Hill start and park. That's convenient. Um, Kyle Busch, I think, ran into and ran over. Chase Briscoe helped him. Uh, Chase that had tire a flat down. tire. Yeah, he also, yeah, I mean, I think he probably doored him too, but whatever. Um, it's Gibbs for you. Um, he's still the Sunoco Rookie of the Year, no matter how much people want to shit on him. Denny Hamlin's stupid fans or Kyle Busch's fans. Um, Chase Briscoe is Rookie of the Year after a brutal, brutal baptism uh, to the Cup Series. I uh, wish they would have moved up his Xfinity crew chief with him instead of having Klaus Meyer. Um what is it? Anthony Alfredo got let go today. We're doing this on Wednesday night. Uh, Anthony Alfredo was let go. Um, he from, wrecked a lot of race cars. He wrecked a lot of race cars, but then it's a 38 at, at Front Row Motorsports. I mean, John Hunter wrecked a lot of race cars and almost won a championship, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. Um, bunch of Rick Ware crap. Uh, yeah, Justin Haley's moving up. We don't know if McDowell's going to have a job. Uh, Eric Jones, uh, was it uh, Jerry Baxter's last race with the 43 team? Uh, since uh, they've hired a new crew chief, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of uh, lasts, a lot of fur, whatever. But Brad, I think the big one is Brad, though. Um, what Brad meant to Penske's NASCAR deal. People can say whatever they want to say about him, but... In the end, um, his his um, contributions to a team, Roger Penske's won everything in motorsport. He's one of the most, you know, powerful people uh, in sport. And, you know, he owns the Speedway now. The Speedway that he owned for many decades as uh, as an owner and a, and a competitor, he owns now. Um, every, every car manufacturer wanted him to run them. Uh, there's th this guy, he doesn't hire, generally he doesn't hire, you know, LCD, the worst of the worst, other than like Paul Tracy. But, you know, Brad Keselowski did a lot. You know, Rusty Wallace set the tone in the two car for all those years. And, and you know, Kurt did his part for a while. But Brad carried that two car um, and won a lot. Uh, and it's not just my personal, you know, fandom which kind of gone down a little bit over these last couple of years as i've become more of a chase briscoe guy to look towards the future but 
Brad's done a lot of winning. And, you know, when you have this kind of move, it, it feels a lot like Tony's move from the 20 car to become an owner. Um, and we saw how it worked out there. He had a good run for about three, four, three and a half years um, as a car owner and driver. Um, I mean, maybe Brad's line is he's going to go and have another run, might go and take off a bunch of wins and ride this out in the sunset, get another title and make him. So, I mean, he, he's got hall of fame credentials to be fair, but if he runs a similar line as what Tony did, he's definitely a hall of fame guy. Uh, but he did a lot for Penske racing and NASCAR, um, brought Joey Logano along, brought convinced he helped, help Penske and was like, Hey, let's bring him in. And they've set their future up with Joey Logano. He, he went and had Ryan Blaney in his truck, the Xfinity series champion that we're going to talk about drove one of his trucks, a guy that's that's So now there's three guys. I mean, uh, there's, there's been multiple Xfinity champions now that are driven for Brad Keselowski and Cindric um, too. And Cindric. Uh, so, I mean, Cindric, who's going to take over Brad's ride. I mean, granted, his dad runs the team, but Cindric has become a legitimate force. Um, his old school, his old style of running into people might pay more in this day and age of NASCAR. Um, but he's going to, he does, he deserves to be in that car. I wouldn't have said that uh, a year and a half ago, but he does now. And uh, it's a pressure of being in that car. I think you'll be able to handle it pretty well. And he brought along Cindric. He brought along Blaney, Hamrick, Reddick. There's there's a lot that he's brought to the sport, and he's not even done. Uh, but it's a pretty interesting time, uh, end of an era for sure. You've gotten used to certain things. You get used to certain people driving certain cars. It's like you were you had Junior with the eight car, but he ended up getting the eighty eight. Well, it's gonna be weird seeing Brad driving the six car next year after all these years of whoever the hell else has been driving the six car. I mean, it's Mark Martin's car. So to be fair, he's, he's taken over a car that was driven by Rusty Wallace who's a hall of famer, Kurt Busch more than likely than being all of him. And he's going to take over a car that Mark Martin yeah, made. Has lineage to Mon- yeah. Mark Martin. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for Brad, you talk about uh, his Penske, like his success at Penske. I mean, look at before he came to Penske and uh, how they were doing. I mean, Kurt was doing somewhat well, but he was like kind of a boomer bus driver at that time, right? That was when he had a lot of his outbursts and everything. The 12 car, when it, when it was known back then, uh, didn't really have anything. Uh, Newman wasn't really good anymore. They had David Shermie for a year, but then Brad came along and then uh, got in the two car. You know, he struggled a year in the 12 car, but then got into the two car uh, when you know they changed numbers and changed monsters and everything. And, you know, Brad, uh, you know, had that one win. Remember, I mean, at Kansas uh, outlasted Dale Jr. on fuel mileage. And then uh, after that, he was able to um, have a lot of success, success, especially after he broke his ankle uh, and that test at Road Atlanta. And then, you know, had uh, just went up and had a lot of wins there uh, in 2011, of course, won the 2012 title. And then, you know, it was also a time when, you know, he, became culturally relevant because remember he uh, brought uh, NASCAR to Twitter. Remember he yep. had that uh, fire tweet when, uh, you know, Juan Pablo ran into the jet dryer there. Oh God. Turn three. Yep. Oh God. I mean, yeah. Jim, <laughs> LCD fans. Holy shit. We just set off 
He said off NASCAR oh. Twitter, Juan Pablo Montoya, that's all he did in NASCAR. He went and hit a fucking jet dryer. We don't even know what the hell else he's ever done in his life. He hit a dang jet dryer. <laughs> it don't matter that his crew chief went and let him out there with a broken rear end and all that because Chad Johnson's an idiot and a fucking moron. He was so bad that Tony Stewart wanted to murder him. Oh, I think that was Chris Heroy at that time, but you know, whatever. It may have been no. Chris Heroy. I don't know. Yeah. I just like to, I just yeah. like to denigrate Chad Johnson because he's terrible. No, but, yeah. Uh, but my God, that dang, that dang Juan Pablo Montoya had no business driving out there hitting that dang jet dryer. It's like, hey, motherfucker, the guy's won two Indianapolis 500s. He's won the Monaco Grand Prix. He was winning races in the mid and early 90s, driving against the likes of Dale Jr. download guest Jerry Nadu in the Barber Sob Championship. How many people would know that? People like me know that. <laughs> I watched it back then. Marty Reed was announcing that when Marty Reed didn't suck at life. Um, and he wasn't Juan Pablo Monterrier. We're going to make this. He got AJ Foyt oh. reference about uh, Juan Pablo Monterrier. He's like Robin Miller. God bless his soul. He won the third quarter and NMPA Pocono spirit award and probably is going to win the award, um, at the end of the year. But, um, he went and said, how about, what did you think of Montoya? Well, that Monterrier, he's pretty good. All right, I, 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 I no, no, you, you, yeah, I set you off there, no, but I mean, yeah, like the that whole thing when he tweeted that that was a big thing, uh, that was like basically you know the one of the first you know viral NASCAR related tweets that we had you know back in when Twitter was still kind of a new thing. Um, he outran Junebug yeah. to the urinal too. Yeah. To the no, no, Junior won that. Junior won that. Oh, okay. Wait, no. <laughs> no, I um, forgot. But, okay, fine. He yeah. won that, but he, but, but, but. Brad went viral that night. So it's no, cool. yeah, exactly. No, but uh, that was um that that was that part too. And then you know Brad's kind of been the contrarian figure in the sport. You know, um, I mean, say what you want about him, about his opinions, but always kind of having the opposing opinion in, in the garage. Uh, a lot of times, trying to be uh, kind of the voice of reason, but also he's been you know, a, a lot of wins and you know, brought a lot of success to Penske after kind of, um, after Brad or after Rusty Wallace, you know, he had had his years in the nineties and then kind of fell off in the two thousands before retiring. Um, you know, Brad kind of brought back that, uh, level of success. And then he brought in Joey Logano and then they had their years, uh, you know, probably 20, 13 or 2014 to 2018 i think that was like the era that you know, penske was uh really good um yep. you know basically the 750 uh you know 800 horsepower 900 horsepower era uh in nascar with with the gen six and we'll talk about that in a minute but uh brought that level of success and everything so just Two uh, championship a lot of opportunities yeah. lost there yeah time. yeah well yeah 2014 yeah brad keselowski should have probably been one of the title i mean actually it was jeff gordon's title um but you know 2014 it was there for the taking i mean that was uh you know brad brad was the guy that people hated remember tony hated him thought he had a death wish at texas in 2012 two years later uh kevin harvick pushes him into jeff gordon on pit road and they get into a fight and ends up and winning everything. the title in the process because he went and took out both yeah brad and jeff and all that whole thing yeah yeah exactly and um was it the yeah 2015 well 2015 2016 was, was the yeah. other one yeah logano was yeah. 15 and he got ended yeah. by 
Matt Kenseth, but, yeah, who Matt ended Kenseth. his career. And then yeah. 2016 was the other one where he probably should have had a chance and win a championship. And that went away and went in smoke. And Joey Logano and Carl Edwards wrecked each other, which allowed uh, Jim Johnson to get his seventh championship. No, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, Brad Keselowski, he uh, had, I mean, so after 2012, when you beat out Jimmy Johnson for that title, um, after that, it was all a bunch of near misses or close but not good enough uh, for Keselowski. Uh, so, you know, one thing I'm trying to say here is, uh, you know, going to Roush Racing, they they haven't been really good at, at all. And, I mean, he's bringing in Matt McCall, who's really good crew chief uh, from uh, the one car. I mean, I'm going to assume that they're bringing in uh, – I Jeff Gordon calls him Jazzy. He's the crew car chief or whatever on the one car. Uh, he was on the 78 car, and I think he's probably like one of the uh, – he was, he was who made the 78 car really good. And then the one car, even though it's not quite as good, uh, I think he's been the guy that's made it uh, – helped make it more competitive than what it is. Uh, I think maybe I'm going to assume he's going to go there. I, you know, they said half the team's going right. Yeah. The, the, uh, from one to the six. Yeah. So, I'm looking it up just to go and, and confirm here. Just, uh, just give me a second here. I'll bring it up, but, uh, you can keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with Brad Keselowski, uh, buying the team. Well, uh, the one thing you talk about with Tony Stewart is Tony, uh, I mean, they're buying into Haas, which wasn't good. They had Hendrick's support, uh, for that car or for that team. So he was, it's not like uh, it was like going to buy into a back end team and try to bring it up and Roush, not really back in team, but they haven't really had a whole lot of success. So you wonder, I mean, when's the next race or when's the next time Kislowski is going to win? Cause they, you know, they weren't really good overall this year. They won Talladega, but that was it. Um, and you have to wonder if 2012 is going to end up being the only championship he won or, or that he wins in NASCAR. And then, you know, I think at least, for next season, uh, really hard to see when's the next race. Brad Keselowski is going to win. Um, Talladega might be his, uh, you know, spring Talladega this year might be his last victory in, in the Cup Series for maybe a year. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think because of how they've run on super speedways and knowing Brad's uh, ability on super speedways, I don't fear uh, that he can't win anymore. I think Talladega and Daytona are always going to be wide open for him. Uh, you know that he's gunning for the 500. Mark Martin never won it. Roush only has the two with with Matt Kenseth. Um, and that was, for years, a bugaboo track for them in general. They couldn't win Daytona for their lives. They couldn't win the 500. It was always tough, the super speedway races. I mean, Jeff Burton won the Coke Zero 400 in 2000. I mean, Talladega was a brutal for a while. I think Mark Martin won a, a caution-free race. Um, but it wasn't something that they were known for doing, but Roush has uh, become a thing where they uh, run really well there uh, because they know that's where they can be competitive. And um, I mean, the, oh wow, that is that is scary for a series. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Uh, sorry, I, I'm I'm trying to find the the Brad Keselowski thing here. And because, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's Brad Kozlowski. So, Brad Kozlowski, the Dawn of New Era, and yeah, talking yesterday, he appeared at a lunch and uh, with one eyed Jack and whoever. So, that's, you got some Spanish, whatever. 
Blah, I, I swear, yeah. So, yeah, we got Matt McCall. Um, I read that it was, I swear it was on J-Ski earlier, or it was somewhere. I, I mean, it, it could be here on, um, they got Eric Jones, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to find this. I, I, I literally read something where they're, where they, they're going to get a bunch of guys. He, he, it was on my timeline, I swear. And I wasn't seeing things either. I know there was on a, a timeline. I probably liked it too. So there you go. I just I just helped myself on that. Um, yeah, I retweeted that. I retweeted that. Um, wanted to. Um, well, while I'm I'm trying to find this, we want to uh, send our condolences to the family of Delma Cowart, the a former uh, journeyman driver ran in the cup series and Arca and other, whatever, probably in the Bush series and his time. He always said that he may have never won a race, but he always won every party. And uh, he made the 500 one or two times. And um, he was a gentleman and he was a good man. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, he met his, he met his time, whatever, uh, but he's in a better place now, and I think he's going to be able to win a lot of um, races up there. And even if he ain't going to win a lot of races, he's going to win a lot of parties up there. Uh, Pockris announced it. There you go. Thank you, Bob Pockris. Credit to him. Uh, TJ Majors will spot. Matt McCall will bring Nick Case. Uh, engineers Jonathan Branzell and Josh Sell. Mechanics Jonathan Ellis and Matthew House from Ganassi. Tire Changers, Steve Price, who was part of that Ganassi number one crew, and Johnny Roberts from uh, whatever, what the hell is his name, the 24 car, uh, Byron. So that's so a bunch of the one crew is going to be coming over the six, and uh, uh, Brad will get to bring TJ, who was Dale Jr.'s guy. So Dale Jr., continues the whole dale jr connection with tj majors will uh move over to um the number six car uh the rfk number six car so um thanks bob i finally don't feel bad about myself i knew i saw that so there you go um yeah i made a mistake there i said jazzy he's the so he used to be the lead engineer on uh the 78 car and the one car. And now he's the lead engineer on the 19 with Truex. So I thought he was still on the one. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. um, because yeah. So Jazzy's over there. And then the car chief Blake Harris is the one that, that, um, banked out Caitlin Vinci. So they, he's got a really good team. I'll tell you. Um, and then of course you got James small who said that somebody licked his dick during the race too. So now that shirt's out there. So you gotta have, I'll, I'll tell you, Martin Truex only has that one title and he's had this great run, but his, his, uh, leadership team has, he's got one interesting dynamic. You got James Small who says funny crap intentionally, unintentionally curses a lot. And he has an Aussie accent. So people like that. Well, it's funny. And then you have Blake Harris who gets suspended whenever the, the, they don't, they pass and don't pass inspection. He gets suspended and he gets sent out of the racetrack. So he gets to go home to a smoking hot wife and then um, who works on Fox uh, sports. And then you have Jazzy, who's one of the best car chiefs in the business. Yeah. To say, I mean, if he was, if there was still front row or furniture row racing, I think he might've won another title by now, but Joe Gibbs decided he wanted to kill the team. Um, 
so yeah, so we got that um, no neck, the end of a run more than likely unless front row is going to hire him for the 34, which I would, I mean, if he wants to run in the back, that's his choice. I think front row motorsports, uh, if they sign no neck and they sign uh, Todd Gillen, which is, it seems like, I mean, I mean, I'm just spitballing it. Todd Gillen, they don't know what they're going to do with the truck series effort, which was connected to David Gillen's team. Now Todd Gillen had a good year, uh, had some bad luck in the playoff. Uh, to be fair, I think Todd Gillen, that, that makes sense that they would go and put him in the 38 car. That's always a car they go and take dice rolls with here in recent years. Um, I think the potential and ability is there. And, uh, you know, at this point, Front Row Motorsports thought they were going to sell out to 2311. Now that they're not going to do that, you get a veteran presence like Ryan Newman who can go and then try to get to his next stage of his career where he's kind of running a team and building something and who knows where that'll take it. And then you have Todd Gilland, who's a young gun. It would be something that would actually work for that team. It makes too much sense, though. Um, even though Newman's washed up, to be fair, uh, his last really decent year was 14, um, where he could have basically put a dump, put gasoline on the this format and uh, lit it on a, a blaze if he had won the championship after, you know, I don't know how many other guys would have been more worthy of it um, if he had beaten Kevin Harvick at Homestead that year. But, um, and he used up Kyle Larson, so there's that whole connection. Yeah, there. Phoenix. Yeah, at Phoenix to making the Final Four. Uh, the Gen 6, yeah, so interesting run. Uh, they The Gen 5 was generally vilified uh, because of the wing and all the other things. Like next, the, what do you call the COT? Uh, they made the Gen 6 look more like the right, real car. Um, the ARCA cars are still kind of like the Gen 6, even though there's no Chevy SS anymore. The Fusion in that in that format doesn't run anymore. Um, you know, they, there's, they ran the Gen 6 cars, then they started messing with horsepower. They put the big-ass spoiler on it. They'd have a little, little ADB spoiler. They never really came up with a package that was totally suitable. Um, Hendrick Motorsports over the last, I guess, year plus figured out a way, I think with the no practice, um, kind of played in their hands with, with COVID time. But now it, you're going to have practice again. I think qualifying is going to happen again uh, every race. So, I mean, the Gen 6 time, it had its purpose. I think it kind of led to where we're going with Gen 7 in certain ways. Um, the cars aesthetically were more pleasing, of course, relative to Gen 4, 5, which, of course, wasn't – it was it was a kit piece in a sense. It was a st- – it was sticker car. Every car was the same, but it was stickers. Um, now, then, they had more shape towards what their car was. Now we're getting a Gen 7, which is more like what we have on the street per se. Um, I mean, the good, bad, and indifferent. I think the Gen, you look at the Gen 6 car, um, Jimmy only won those two championships. There was a lot of parity in regards to championships. Kyle Busch won two championships with the Gen Gen 6. Uh, outside of that, a bunch of first-time champions in, in there. Um starting in 2013 with Jimmy's what what ended up being Jimmy's sixth title uh beating I'm trying to remember who he beat I think he beat Kenseth that year in, in 2013 Dale Jr and Kyle yeah. Bush for that championship yeah that sounds about right uh but you know 
Gen Six was uh, it 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 played its role in the sport and moved it forward in certain ways, even though the current leadership structure kind of tried to bring it backwards into the LCD. Yeah, I mean, with the the Gen Six, I think it, it, the thing to think about the Gen Six uh, is rule changes. It was started out uh, with eight inches of spoiler uh, in the Gen Six car, and they had like. 850 horsepower and then horsepower naturally increased to 900 and they put in another inch of spoiler uh and the racing i mean 2013 wasn't that great when it started out remember uh daytona they crashed a lot but then the race itself was basically matt kenseth dominated 2013 daytona 500 blue engine and then nothing happened in that race until keselowski and jimmy got side by side for the lead uh for like 20 laps uh yeah or 10 laps whatever and then denny hamlin uh the second race uh didn't like how it drove and then called him out on twitter and then they tried to find him and all that stuff and put it on probation well, this- or whatever Miss Hummer actually qualified on pole for that or the Daytona 500. Yeah, yeah and but that was, that was bound to happen, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was a fix. I Yeah, but the, she ran up front the whole entire, I mean, more or less up front for her um, the entire day, which tells you how bad the racing was that day. But go ahead. No, yeah, I mean, 20, yeah, and then they, yeah, it was basically they had a lot of stuff with rule changes and stuff throughout that era and you know 2014 they increased spoiler uh that year and then the racing i think it was pretty good that year to be honest uh, was, uh that was probably the perfect package i think a lot of people uh on the internet will say that 2014's package is probably the best uh racing that they had but still i mean there was still some things that uh you didn't like there was still like issues with the arrow and stuff with arrow push and all that and then 2015 they that's when they went to 750 and then they decreased the spoiler, I think, down to seven inches. Uh, and then they had they started experimenting with the rules package midseason. Remember, they cut the spoiler at Kentucky, uh, and then they went and brought the big spoiler package at Indianapolis and Michigan. Uh, and then they brought it back to the uh, low down force for uh, for Darlington. And they went to low down force 2016, 17, and 18. And then they went and brought back the high down force, low horsepower uh, in 2019 and uh to present uh of course now the short tracks now in the road courses and uh the um mile tracks all have low downforce so kind of brought back in balance uh for this so not every race is 550 with or 750 with high spoiler uh so at least there's some variance but i think now it kind of influenced the next uh package maybe maybe the next car will race better uh with the same downforce uh horsepower configuration and uh stuff that happens internally so um gen 6 or gen 7 car uh you know with the independent rear suspension uh the uh, sequential shifting and all that stuff um sounds like it's going to drive a whole lot different uh than uh, what we currently have so maybe it might race better despite having the the same specs as far as downforce and horsepower we'll see uh, what happens and then of course the you know, with the Gen 6, you had the downforce. I mean, they they changed the rules. And a lot of people focusing on this. And even though that in the 2000s, mid-2000s, they had a lot of uh, spoiler changes as well and valence changes that uh, because if you look back to the you know early 2000s, spoilers were a lot bigger uh, through uh, 2003. And then uh, I think, yeah, Rusty Wallace complained about it. And then they went to a hard tire uh, so, or a soft tire and 
uh, shorter spoiler, 2004, 05, 06, and 07. Uh, if you look at the pictures, the spoiler on there was a lot, a lot shorter. Uh, and I mean, the racing was all great through those days. And then cod but came. But they had and, the lobster. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. had the they had those. What did they twisted call those? Sister. The twisted sister lob. I called them them lobster cars because yeah. they did not look anything like a regular car. Yeah, that was 2002. Was the last year I think of what I would I guess you would say was like the Gen three era. And then that Gen 4 era was was from 2003 till when they came up with the COT. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they the official graphic uh, when they started labeling with Gen whatever is uh, 1992 to 2006 is Gen 4. But yeah. it doesn't really matter because yeah. they had several iterations. So it wasn't really fair like to start calling it a Gen 5 or Gen 4 or whatever. And now, I mean, now it's all standardized. Like, it's whatever Gen it was until 2008. And then cot and now gen 6 and now next gen car so yeah this this thing was um marred by rule changes and a lot of focus on social media of course the press focused on a lot the fans focused on a lot um and definitely a lot of uh people have sides on which which package should you go with and you know some of the package work doesn't work some of it works so a lot of a lot of focus is on that and uh i mean the one thing that this package or currently have that as now races last race on Sunday is that there wasn't really a lot of mechanical grip in that car. If you look at the, the suspension travel, I mean, I remember race back in 2014 uh, with, yeah, Keselowski was leading at Kentucky and they, they had the camera on the, I don't know, the the right front or right rear tire uh, showing the suspension travel. And Wally Dahlenbeck was basically saying that it was like a a go-kart. Now the suspension travel, there was not a whole lot of uh, travel in that, uh, I mean, of course they they got rid of the ride height in 2014, but you know the, the amount of travel that you had um, now it really put a lot of focus uh, into the arrow and um, the the horsepower because you know with low downforce um, or with it, regardless of any downforce, if you lose the downforce in the corner, you have to be able to recover with mechanical grip. I guess I mean that's my understanding. I'm not a mechanical engineer, electrical computer engineer, but um, my understanding is you know you can still recover with mechanical grip some of that but now when you have less of that and then you also take away the aero grip that leads to the huge aero loss that we've seen uh with this racing uh with the, the gen 6 car yeah and you think about coil binding which was they were talking about coil binding uh during the gen 5 4 era to a they started doing it in Gen 4 era because I can remember Andy Petrie talk about it. And then in Gen 5 with the COT, they started going and twisting. They started turning the cars basically into a 75-degree angle. I mean, I always remember Sam. Yeah, Horner's the yaw. Car. The yaw. Yaw, as uh, Miss Hummer heard uh, Tony Uri, uh Jr. say. But, you know... That they went and started doing that. Then you had the coil binding. So they sealed these things off. You look at Jeff Gordon. It's like it's funny how Jeff Gordon, who's now getting fat and old and getting gray hair, um, back in his day when he had a mullet and a mustache, how much how much air you had uh, lift off the ground on the front end. And Ray Everham with all the inbreeding and all the shit he's done, thinking about all, what he had when he worked on the Myrock cars, what he worked on with Jeff's, you know, Fords, 
then Jeff's Chevys, they had so much air under the nose for I don't know how many years. They And even in for the whole entire peak of Jeff's career, which is basically from 95 through 01, when he was his dominance, Jeff Gordon. The cars all were off the ground. Like the front end was off the ground. You had air up off the back. Now these things are slammed on the ground. Like it's almost like an open wheel car. And you made the mention about the go-karts. You have them things sealed off. I mean, what what are you going to do? I'm no air. And, and the point is you're an engineer. I am no science guy. I'm just strictly, you know, not like lay motorsports. I just like things going fast. I don't give a fuck how the hell you do it. I want it to be fast. I want it to be cool. I want it to look cool. When they're all driving around at like 180 miles an hour following each other, I do that. It's the same way as Tony said about Indianapolis when he said to what's his name, Bob Kravitz, uh, who's the Indianapolis star um, uh, columnist and Indy, Indianapolis Colts beat writer. It's like we could go, we, yeah, on the we freeway. do racing. Yeah, we could go on the 405 or like 495 or whatever the fuck, whatever, 485. We could go and do all the passing you want on the 485. This is racing. But the problem, and as a Tony Stewart fan, as, as a Mark, NAS stock cars at Indianapolis, you look at the 94 Brickyard 400, and you look at the last oval Brickyard 400, There, it's night and day. You could actually pass in the Brickyard 400 in 1994. The pull speed by Rick Mast was like 172 miles an hour in 1994 at the Brickyard 400. And they had like 800 cars that showed up for that race. The last oval race they had, they only had like 40. And I think the the, the pull was like 180 miles an hour. But the difference was all the cars were sealed off to the ground. They had a 17 inch spoiler on it and they had so much arrow wash that they couldn't do anything with it yeah but but then you also look at you can start getting into the whole tire difference between the hoosier goodyear the tire battle they blamed hoosier for for the all the issues when goodyear can't make a good tire and they still don't make a good tire and maybe that's part of it and nobody wants to say anything because they pay a shit ton of money to nascar to be the official tire NASCAR. Yeah, Tony but, was the only one to say anything about it. <laughs> well, yeah. And and Tony, I mean, they put Goodyear tires on the SRX cars, but I wonder um, if that was a Tony thing or if that's a Ray and, you know, the whatever group, I, I forget, the Montag group that was like, hey, because personally I thought they were going to run Hoosiers, but I don't know if Hoosier has a mold anymore. For a stock car, maybe that's a thing. Uh, but general tires exist, so I'm like, why wouldn't you just run a general tire? They run those crappy general tires in Arca. Um, I think, I don't know, maybe they changed that now because now they're under NASCAR's um, deal. But, yeah, I mean, Gen 6 is done. Arca is going to still drive around with those Gen 6 cars, even though they've been way out of date. Um, they probably should change to a late model body, and they'd probably do better. Um, yeah, let's get into the Xfinity series, man. Daniel, that was the one thing I took away from this weekend that made me happy. Uh, I didn't really give a fuck about <laughs> Friday. Um, and we kind of predicted it on the show. Um, I had, I brought out my, um, and before yeah, I'm going to go and put myself on a high horse. I kind of predicted the John Hunter Nemechek choke on this show last week and it happened albeit it wasn't like to be fair it wasn't really like all his fault but i kind of felt like the john hunter nemechek choke was gonna happen and it did but 
Austin Sindrick got used up by A.J. Allmendinger for the regular season title, got moved by Daniel Hemrick on the last lap, last turn, to go and win the Xfinity Series title, get his first career Xfinity win, first win in NASCAR's top three series, former Brad Keselowski racing driver, uh, made me so happy, did a full-on backflip, he did better than than Carl Edwards because he went on top of the roof and did it. That car, that diecast, I pre-ordered it. I'm not going to see it until next November, probably, when I hope he's a two-time Xfinity Series champion with Colleague, and then Colleague goes and moves him up to drive a cup car uh, because Richard Childress uh, fucked him over. I mean... In the end, Sindrick was the best driver this year, along with A.J. Allmendinger. A.J. Allmendinger had nothing on Saturday. Um, Sindrick had a car. He, he had the dominant car. Cautions, probably the same way as Truex, probably feels aggrieved by um, what happened to him. And I think uh, Austin Sindrick, you know, you think about guys moving up with two championships. Uh, what's it called? Uh, uh why am I forgetting his name now? Um, driver of the eight car in cup. Um, Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick had two consecutive championships. You know, Junebug. Uh, there, there, there's other guys. True X. True X. And, I mean, you want to have that, but then when you consider what Austin Sindrick has done, we talked about it in the Brad part, where Sindrick has kind of built himself up to where it's not just that his dad – runs Penske Racing as as the competition director. You know, Austin Sindrick earned his uh, his right to drive the flagship car at Penske Racing. And he handled himself with class. He wasn't happy. And, you know, the guy looks like Gumby and his freaking pit sign is like of a giraffe, which makes, which is funny. And the fact that it's like the guy handled himself with class at Bristol, he handled himself with class at, Phoenix, but fucking Daniel Emmerich, bro. Freaking elbows up. He's a young gun. Elbows up. That's my one of my favorite things from that Blaney and Bubba ride from Las Vegas to L.A. that they don't have on. And those they cut the clip. I don't know where that clip went. They went through so many drivers, and Blaney did Bubba or did Daniel Hemrick, and they never have Daniel Hemrick on camera. I want to see that where he's driving around elbows up. And it's it a might weird be a way goof. to drive. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but it's a total goof. They might have it might have been a put on. I want to see it because if he drives anything like that and he can win a fucking championship, God bless him. He won a million dollars. He won a hundred grand driving a legend car. He gets to make kids with with Kenzie Rustin for the rest of his life. And Ren got to sit there in her little onesie and celebrate with mom and dad that championship i mean kenzie got canceled because she was with ben kennedy and ben kennedy couldn't take the fact that he got beat for by a better driver for for what we i mean if he had married her who knows what would happen but instead now he's just making crappy schedules daniel hemrick's now nascar champion that made me happy i'm sorry i i'm a daniel hemrick guy i wore the daniel hemrick shirt on monday i bowled near 190 didn't matter for me but fucking Daniel Hemrick won that race, and uh, that was pretty cool. I mean, he won the best driver this year. It kind of makes the whole championship process not look so great. 
He took a dive. He basically copped to taking the dive the week before to give it to fucking, you know, Gagson because he's like, we got a better purpose here this week. And he came through. People said he can't come through. He's not a closer. He's a choker. Ten second place finishes. Well, I'll tell you what. He's got the hot, smoking hot wife that can drive a race car really fast. He's also got the hardware that he's going to be taking to college racing next year to drive with A.J. Allmendinger, who was one of the best drivers this year in the Xfinity Series. And they got a really tough uh, duo. And I'm sure he's going to be driving a cup car uh, limited races next year since uh, A.J. is going to be splitting that ride. They're going to run two charters, so I figure Daniel Hemrick's going to get some cup races too. But uh, yeah. what do you think of the Xfinity race on Saturday, Josh? Yeah, I mean, it, the, it was a pretty good race to watch. I mean, initially, you know, John Hunter had the, the lead there to start out with uh, qualifying on pole, and yep. Sindrick had the lead too. Um, and I think the, the race ended up becoming between uh, Sindrick, he had a lot of pace, and Hemrick, who was also pretty good uh, there on you know long green flag runs. Uh, as far as the other two guys, uh, Gregson was kind of there on restarts. So there's that one restart where he made up like like four or five spots or whatever, coming from like 11th up to like fifth or something like that. And then uh, uh, Almendinger was never really uh, there. He was kind of a non-factor throughout the race. I mean, there was a couple of times where he kind of got up into the top 10, but then Ultimately, he just didn't have uh, a whole lot of pace to be able to get up uh, any further than that and really show any uh, real speed uh, to go out and win the championship. But uh, this race came down to uh, Cindric and Hemrick kind of just trying to beat each other on restarts. And I uh, wasn't sure it was going to happen for Hemrick, but then, um, you know, backstretched on the last lap, come down to it, uh, turn three, just sent it in there just just enough to get to his uh, left rear bumper and then, you know, moved him out of the way to get the win for the title. And I mean, I was happy for him too. Um, I, I kind of wanted to see him win uh, just because like, you know, his whole story, you know, you go back to uh, 2014, 2013, when he started racing in uh, the trucks. And I remember, you know, Matt Weaver's, uh, been a big uh, supporter of him for years, advocate for him. But uh, I remember we were talking about um, Hemrick's talent on the super late models and winning all those super late models at you know, f- uh, five flags. Um, uh, one of they called the Southern super series or whatever it was known back then. Um, and all those late model races, they won, won the all American 400 in like 2015 uh, at Nashville. Uh, so he's just had a lot of success on those levels and, I mean, again, like with this title, I mean, he probably didn't deserve to win the title based on, you know, full season points, but at at least um, it was someone who everybody could like. uh, And the fact that he hadn't won yet, I mean, when somebody gets their first win, generally, you know, you're pretty happy for their success. And then he also wins the title. So it's uh, pretty uh, wholesome there and, you know, brings back the backflip celebration to NASCAR after Carl Edwards retired. Um, somebody from Kannapolis winning in, in NASCAR, a title again. Yeah, pretty from, cool. Yeah, Kannapolis. I mean, you can tell they, um, they're from the same region, uh, region just from uh, how they talk. You know, they both have kind of like the same intonation, speech patterns, uh, you know, tone of voice uh, kind of thing uh, there uh, with Dale Jr. and uh, Hamrick. Um, so it was all, all very likable. Uh, you know, Cindric, like you said, he handled the, uh, the loss very well. I mean, he had Dave Burns kind of pressing him to get a reaction, but he was still able to give, I mean, he was still pissed about it, but, you know, he was able to give kind of a, a classy response uh, to that. Uh, so uh, it was a pretty, pretty good race there. I mean, there was a lot of cautions, uh, which we all expected to happen um, throughout the, um, you know, the 
series or throughout the race. I mean, it happened in cup, didn't really happen in truck, but you know, his cup was kind of came, came down to restarts as well. And this one really came down to restarts and a lot of, a lot of wrecks uh, in the last, you know, 20 laps uh, that uh, we saw, but then, you know, eventually uh, Hamrick was able to get the win. So it was a very good, very likable race overall, but uh, you know, 2021 season ending and now Hamrick is the champion. Yeah, and he's going to be moving over to another team. It's got the same kind of feeling of uh, Tyler Reddick. Uh, thanks for the pickup on that, of course. Uh, I mean, will he be able to repeat? Can he repeat driving that 11 car? Justin Haley moving up full-time to drive in the Cup Series. We don't know what number he's going to be driving. More than likely it's 16 because they already have that. But uh, I'm trying to think of what numbers are open. But they need two. And um, can Daniel Hemrick go out there and win Daytona start next year and have two consecutive wins and lock himself into the play into the playoffs right then and there? Uh, him and AJ Allmendinger could do a destruction because Ford's not going to really have a true presence in the Xfinity Series. Ryan Sieg, um, you know, God bless him. They're they're not a big team. Um, you know, Chevy's going to have a big presence next year, of course, not only with Colleg, RCR, uh, Sheldon Creed ran the 78 car for BJ McLeod and finished 10th. And I mean, he was not, he, he, yeah, he qualified well too. And, um, so I figure he's going to be up there. You know, you got Ty Gibbs didn't even run this race and, uh, he'll be up there and we got some of these other guys, uh, who will be able to show up and and do things. I mean, you look at what Hemrick's will be back next year, but Cindric Burton's going to be running for rookie of the year in a cup series. You know, what's going to happen with Herbst uh, and the Stuart Haas deal. Haley's going to the cup series. Uh, we're going to talk about the guy who finished sixth. He qualified um, on the front row and led 39 laps. I mean, Cindric and Hemrick led most of the laps, uh, you know, over 150 laps of the race. Three guys really dominated. Bruckshot will be back because he he's his dad's got money. And that January sixth, we got Justin Allgaier, Sheldon Creed, your top ten. Mike Lynette ran his last race. Um, three consecutive uh, junior motorsports cars, eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth. And you have AJ Allen there, fourth, fourteenth. Uh, Jeremy Clements just came out. It's on Jayski saying that he has full sponsorship for the whole year. So God bless him. Uh, I feel bad for the guy who finished in 20th, who's being dragged down by um, DLCD after he won his first career race at Talladega. Um, It's a shame because he's actually worked hard to get there. And now um, because of segments of the population, he can't even get anybody to sponsor him. So, Hopefully he'll be able to make it through. We'll see what happens. That Xfinity series will be interesting next year. Um, the Ty Gibbs versus Sam Mayer battle. The the what do you call colleague with Hamrick and Almondinger uh, Junior Motorsports. You'll have Josh Berry running full time next year, along with what they already have there in Mayor Gagson. Um, I forget who else will be running full time for them. You know, Sheldon Creed and uh, what is it? Austin Hill will be running full time for RCR. You have the Maya Snyder will be moving over to drive for Jordan Anderson full time to RCR. 
I mean, I think RCR is connected to the colleague deal. I'm not so sure if they're, I'm not sure what their whole logistics, if their colleague has Hendrick engines and then RCR, like, chassis and bodies i don't know what it is but there's like a whole chevy thing that goes on over there but we'll see what happens with that uh moving to the trucks chandler smith's second win in five races for him in the playoff after getting eliminated early in the playoff but the champion was uh ben rhodes who is post-race presser um, might have shown that he's never drank in his life um, anything I mean any alcoholic beverage because it didn't seem like he was fully there I I'm all for drunken press conferences Uh, Dave Despain's uh, interview with Brad Keselowski after he won his cup championship might have been one of the greatest things that's ever been shown on TV Uh, Roger Penske um, being able to handle the fact that his driver won the championship and he was drunk off his ass and they were having to do a presser together shows how great Roger Penske is. But Ben Rhodes being shit-faced and, and going and correcting the media in the current day. I think Ben Rhodes is going to be more famous for the fact that he did a drunken press conference and the fact that he backdoored a truck series championship after John Hunter Nemechek got knocked out of it five laps into the race, Josh. Uh, pretty crazy to say that Ben Rhodes, after six years in the truck series, is now a champion, truck series champion. Uh, Thor Sport gets another title, and um, and was it uh, Chandler Smith for Kyle Busch gets another win and locks himself into a ride for next year, more than likely. Yeah, I mean, you talk about his drunken interview there. I mean, I think he had a what was a can of uh, Bud Light there, and that's you know that's pretty weak sauce, man. Come on, <laughs> but I think he, he also was drinking champagne. champagne. I think he okay, was, yeah. He did a shoey with uh, Rich Lucius as crew chief. He gave a uh, Rich Lucius a, a shoey. I think he probably did a couple shoeys um who can only imagine what the hell else they gave him he, he weighs probably 125 pounds soaking wet knowing him but no i mean that's that's probably me after like five shots of vodka so i don't know um well yeah a that's while. a lot yeah. of people after five yeah. shots of vodka i'd probably be hurling <laughs> after that many shots of vodka because i'm not a hard a liquor drinker but you know, if you tell me how many beers I can have, I can go pretty hard. But we're built differently that way. I mean, you're high society. You can handle the harder stuff. So, it's no, okay. well, I mean, yeah, I don't really drink that much. I mean, I don't even really drink that much at all. So, but that's, I don't know, that's my feeling on that uh, based on my own experience. But, um, yeah, I mean, as far as the racing goes, and yeah, Ben Rhodes kind of back back into it with this. Uh, yeah, I mean, John Hunter probably should have won this title. I mean, this is the the truck series is always kind of the weird one in this uh, format. It's always kind of the one where the guy that you don't really expect to win wins, and the one that probably deserved it the most uh, ends up getting the title. Um, and so it was a definitely a different uh, feeling here. Uh, and then, I mean, he had challenge from Zane Smith, but then you just ended up having the better car at the end. Uh, and then Zane Smith kind of faded uh, in the last couple of laps. John Hunter basically spent the entire race trying to get back onto the lead lap and then making up that time to get up to Ben Rhodes. They just ran out of time, you know, after having that flat tire and having to make a extra pit stop, unscheduled pit stop. So um, just didn't have anything there because uh, of that. I mean, he had the pace and he was flying through the field trying to get back up there, but uh, just didn't have any um, uh, opportunity because of 
uh, the lost time there. And then Matt Crafton, um, I mean, he had, I guess, good qualifying speed, but certainly didn't have really anything uh, in the actual race and finishing in 12th place. So uh, it wasn't really a factor at all uh, in that one. But, you know, Chandler Smith uh, gets his uh, another win uh, here in the truck series and uh, maybe building a case for himself uh, next year, you know, two wins this year, six uh, top fives, uh, nine top tens there. Uh, there's another 69 there, but uh, is able to at least um, make a case for himself going into next year. Uh, maybe he could be a contender in the 18 car uh, going into next season. Uh, maybe a, a, a t- uh, you know, another uh, teammate for uh, uh, John Hunter to be able to push him uh, into more success possibly and you know help each of them uh, get better in that series and possibly um, move on up uh, into the Xfinity series in the future. So, uh, that should be interesting. And then you know, Sheldon Creed, uh, led a lot of laps as well, probably could have been a, a contender in this title as well, but, um, didn't, you know, obviously didn't, uh, end up making it. So, um, he had a lot of pace and he ended up leading the most laps. Uh, Stuart Friesen finished second, uh, which is a pretty good result for that team. You know, they don't really uh, have a lot of uh, wins or anything like that uh, in this series. So uh, at least um, he's able to get that. So uh, th- yeah, this one was definitely a weird one. Uh, probably the most uh, anticlimactic, uh, I guess, finish, but Hey, at least we got some uh, content there with uh, Ben Rhodes drunken interview. Yeah, that's really the takeaway. I mean, Sheldon Creed, if uh, the nonsense that took place on Martinsville hadn't taken place, he would have been in it, and he might have gotten a double, gotten a repeat. Uh, He was one of the best drivers this year. To be be completely honest, I think the two best drivers were John Hunter and Sheldon Creed, and neither of them are going to come home with the hardware. But uh, Ben Rhodes was consistent, he was generally up there the whole season, and he, after six years of being in the truck series, finally goes and uh, gets that championship. And you, you talked about Friesen and Chandler Smith, who I think will be up there in the Kyle Busch Motorsports combination with John Hunter and Chandler Smith will be formidable going into next year because we really don't know who's going to be where outside of you know, like Matt Crafton and a few other things. Uh, People that aren't exactly most competitive. I mean, Lawless Allen got ran over early in the race. He's going to be driving the 45 for Nice. Uh, Dean Thompson, who finished 21st for Nice, is going to be around next year uh, full-time. And looking at whatever, the Tanner Gray ran over, I think Tanner Gray ran over Lawless Allen, so that'll be an interesting battle between two guys that have daddies that are rich. Um, Tanner Gray hit everything but the lottery, uh, probably going to destroy a lot more equipment. Tate Fogelman, who won at Talladega, didn't have a good finish on uh, Friday night. Uh, Or Taylor Gray, what? Taylor Gray sucks too, it doesn't matter. Both, I mean, Tanner and Taylor, I mean, Tanner, Taylor, whatever. Tanner Gray was a pro stock champion a few years ago, decided he has to go drive stock cars, and he said everything but the lottery. His brother ain't much better, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, Haley Deegan, who NASCAR does, NASCAR's YouTube channel is following every post she po- puts up there, which is disturbing. Uh, he, yeah, yeah. Who's going to be in the Hattori 16, um, Crafton, Sauter, 
just outside of the top 10. I mean, Ekis. Ekis had a top 10 finish one earlier during the playoffs. Maybe he goes to the to the Hattori truck. Maybe they get rid of Johnny Slaughter finally and put somebody who's not a dick in a town in that truck. But we'll get into all that. As we get into the offseason, maybe some of those announcements will come along uh, and we'll see who's going to go where. Uh, roundup time here. The GSP roundup will get into the WRC Bahrain 2 race, which saw Sebastian Buemi, Kazuki Nakajima, and Brendan Hartley win by 7.3 seconds over their Toyota teammates, Mike Conway, Kobayashi, and Jose Maria Lopez. That's Bahrain 2. In the hypercar category, the Alpine finished third. LMP2, Robin Fryens, Fernand Habsburg, and Charles Malesi won. GTE Pro, Alessandro Perguidi and James Collado beat the Porsche in a Ferrari, beat the Porsche trio of Kevin Estri, Neil Yanni, Michael Christensen, and, and GTM, the team of Parado, Nielsen, and Alex, Alessandro Rivera in a Ferrari, beat Christian Reed, Jackson, Evan, Matt Campbell in the Proton Racing Porsche. And that's uh, who stands out in regards to that. Going to that. Um, Supercars at Sydney Motorsports Park. Again, um, Jamie Winch Cup uh, won the last race. So first race was Shane Van Gisbergen over Wind Cup and Davidson. Um, Only one Ford in the top five. Two, three, four. So... Most people outside of the top five. The the race two saw Anton Di Pasquale for Penske or for Dick Johnson Racing. Sorry, uh, Freudians live there for Dick Johnson Racing. Uh, win over Shane Van Gisbergen and James Courtney. And then in the third race, mentioned Jamie Winch Cup over Anton Di Pasquale and Chaz Moster in the in the uh, final race. The standings here, uh, Van Gisbergen's likely going to win a second championship. Uh, he's got over 300, he looks like 350 points, like raw raw math there between Van Gisbergen and Jamie Winchcup in his last year as a driver. Davis in third, Mostert fourth, and Cam Waters in fifth. Uh, as we go to the next race there on the schedule at uh, Sydney for another round there. I'm going to go and mess with that. MotoGP was at the Algarve in Mir's year without MotoGP when difficult. Oh, yeah, because he ain't that good. Janelle Fatucci is going to be running Dakar. Well, that's something. Uh-huh. 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 Oh, Darren Bender. Uh, the Algarve GP saw Peko Bagnaya beat defending world champion Joanne Mir and uh, Bagnaya's teammate Jack Miller for the podium. Then you have uh, Alex Marquez, Joan Zarco, Paul Esparro, Jorge Martin, Alex Rins, Nea Bassaini, and Brad Binder in the top 10. Yeah, Bert Trucci getting knocked off. Yes, these other people are behind. 
In regards to Moto 2, the the um, Moto 2 season, uh, 2, Remy Gardner beat Raul Fernandez and Sam Lowe's, Aaron Kinnett and Cameron Bobier in fifth. As we go and wait towards who, um, who needs support there, I'll move that. Trying to get some standings. Results. Yeah. You looking at IMSA results? Yeah. 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 IMSA's the Petit Lamar coming up here uh, this weekend. Uh, last race of their season. Uh, one of the majors here uh, coming up. And a whole lot of action going on there uh, at Road Atlanta. Uh, good. Uh, was it WeatherTech Racing's going to run another uh, Porsche in the GT Pro, and it's going to be Kevin Estre, Michael Christensen, and Frederick Makowicki. So all Porsche factory drivers, along with the um, usual WeatherTech Porsche number 79, Cooper McNeil, Matt Campbell, and Matthew Jaminet in the uh, GT Pro category. That's something there. Trying to go... And class, high class racing LMP2 for 2022 season. That would be cool. LMDH for the way of the future. Extended Pro Lifeline for Action Express. So, do you want to move on to uh, Kyle Kirkwood? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just zoned. My fault. Um, the entry list for Road Atlanta, there will be uh, seven. Uh, prototypes in the DPI category, last race for Mazda uh, for the foreseeable future. Oliver Jarvis, Harry Tingle, Jonathan Bomarito. Um, Jimmy Johnson will be back with Kamui Kobayashi and Simon Pagano in the Ally Cadillac second uh, Action Express car, along with the 31 wheel and engineering car. Uh, Ricky Taylor, Philippe Albuquerque, and Alexander Rossi with the Konica Minolta Wayne Taylor team trying to win the championship. Chip Ganassi, Cadillac team, Renger van der Zanda, Magnussen in his last race for them before he moves over to Peugeot and the WEC and Scott Dixon. The French connection and the Mustang sampling, JDC Miller, Cadillac number five, kind of had some rough luck. Want to go and come through in this spot. Um, Dane Cameron, Elio Castroneves, and Juan Pablo Monterrey in the Meyer Shank 60. Uh, what is that? Six Indy 500 wins. And then Dane Cameron, uh, who's become one of the best sports car drivers out there in the Meyer Shank car. Five entries in the LMP2 category. Um, ben Keating driving the PR1 Matheson car. You have United Autosports with Guy Smith, 22. Air Motorsport, Ryan Dial, number 18. And uh, what is it? Uh, Tom, Thomas Merrill, Win Autosport, number 11. Uh, James French, John Frano, Gabriel Aubrey, and the Tower Motorsport, number 8. In LMP3, there will be 10 cars in that. Oliver Askew, Jared Andretti in the number 36 R for Andretti Osborne. Spencer Piggott will be in the JR3, number 30. Mark Vami in number 747 car. Um, trying to go through the, the 54, John Bennett, George Kurtz, Colin Braun. For Core, Gar Robinson, Felipe Fraga, Scotty Andrews, and the Riley Motorsports car. Um, Naveen Rao, Matt Bell, 
the win autos Ford in 83, Jim Cox, Dylan Murray, Urien B. Glamullen, and O'Reilly Motorsports number 91. Uh, GTLM will have Porsche with two, BMW with two, Corvette with two, and then the GT Daytona will have 15 cars. Um, it'll be very tightly contested the whole way. Josh, I'm going to go and pass to you here for a moment to go and talk about uh, Kyle Kirkwood and what it means as the road indie dominator who's um, won championships in multiple disciplines uh, in open wheel can go and uh, you can go and talk about what Kyle Kirkwood coming to um, AJ Foyt racing means for the paddock in general, let alone what he's going to bring to AJ Foyt here this coming year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for, uh, uh, for Kyle Kirkwood, I mean, he's been a champion in road Indy, obviously, and, you know, we all thought he'd get one of the Andretti rides, you know, of course, uh, getting in into the uh, number 26 car, you know, of course, we all thought Colton Herta go into uh, the uh, Formula One ride over there, but that, of course, fell through and now kind of left uh, Kyle Kirkwood hanging, of course, and didn't get into the fourth Andretti card there. Uh, but, I mean, now he's in uh, the 14 car AJ Foyt racing uh, signing uh, the Indy Lights champion here. Um, and it could be interesting, I think, you know, with um, how this plays out. Uh, you know, this car hasn't really been uh, all that fast. I mean, there's been moments uh, the past year uh, with Sebastian Bourdais uh, in the car, but of course, um, not really. Uh, all the results weren't really there for uh, Bourdais. Now Bourdais is going part-time and going back to the sports car racing. Uh, now he's going to replace Bourdais uh, here. So it uh, could be interesting for the pace, especially with a, a young driver and kind of a subpar car. Uh, could be interesting to see uh, the results he's able to put. Um, and also, you know, compared to, you know, when you have a really good driver in a fast car, obviously you see his talent right away uh, for the most part. In this car, you know, he's going to have to definitely learn a lot of things uh, with the Indy car and uh, definitely uh, try to get the most out of it and make, you know, not overdrive the car, but certainly, you know, be able to uh, have the uh, kind of, uh, you know, what am I looking for? Like, you know, 10, or, I can't remember, like the, um, the ability, just the ability, I guess, to be able to, uh, you know, handle the car throughout a race, yeah. and not overdrive it and everything. So that's kind of what I'm looking for, uh, with, with him. And, um, you know, as far as res- actual results, um, you know, if, if he's able to finish in the top 10 more than not, uh, that, that should be a pretty good improvement for the 14 car. Um, and then also be really well for a, uh, you know, young driver like that, especially someone who's really talented and you take a sub car, sub car car and, you know, um, finish really well in it. So that's uh, going to be something to uh, look at here as we go forward uh, for 2022 in the Indy cars. Yeah. I mean, it's something for AJ Foyt to go and get somebody like Kyle Kirkwood drive that car. I think it's going to be good for the team, good for the series that he's going to be out there every week. Um, get that experience before he moves elsewhere. Cause I have doubts in regards to what they're going to bring every week. Um, but for Kyle Kirkwood, big deal to be driving IndyCar next year and having the opportunity to go and possibly go and put some results on the board um, going into next year in general. Uh, next uh, piece will be the Brazilian Grand Prix. Um, can Mercedes respond, Josh? What do they have to do uh, to go and turn this thing around? Because it's getting really tight. Uh, it's getting kind of pretty straightforward. 
So we need to go and figure out how we're how Lewis Hamilton can go and cut into this gap with uh, four races to go. I mean, it's pretty simple. He's got to be able to win, uh, win this race, uh, just like how the first championship for Lewis Hamilton, I mean, well, he didn't win the race in that one, but of course um, won the championship in the last corner. And now here uh, could be at the end of Lewis Hamilton's reign uh, as a, you know, as a title um, champion in the uh, formula one series. But uh, I think, you know, for, uh, for Lewis, got to be able to win, get the fastest lap. Um, they're going to get points from uh, the sprint race as well. Uh, so it, it should be interesting to see uh, if he's able to get points from that, finish uh, you know, first uh, in the sprint race uh, in qualifying. Um, and then also it's going to have to hope that Max has a really bad race and uh, unable to finish. I mean, even if, yeah, if, if Lewis were to win and Max doesn't score any points, then Max uh, would lose the title lead um, to Lewis. And Lewis would, of course, gain it back and be up by like what, like six or seven, maybe eight, nine points. So it could be a huge swing, but uh, it's highly unlikely. I think uh, this is going to be a good race for, for Max for stopping. Uh, had a lot of history at this track. I mean, both of these drivers, of course. Um, so in general, Mercedes is going to have to be really fast. They're going to have to be faster than uh, Red Bull, but we just uh, don't know how well it's going to uh, take place uh, for these guys. Um, I mean, looking at the history of this, uh, going back, we can look at Formula One's races at uh, the past couple of years at uh, Brazil. Uh, pull those up right now. Um, Interlagos, Brazil, Sao Paulo is where this race will be held. So the last two races, of course, last year did not have any race uh, due to COVID-19. Um, and Lewis won 2018. And Max Verstappen finished second in that race. Led 21 laps. Lewis led uh, 46 laps. Uh, so clearly the... Clearly, the uh, race uh, was very close, or, well, there's definitely a lot of change in that one. Um, and then 2019, Max Verstappen dominated uh, Brazilian Grand Prix, and Lewis Hamilton finished in seventh uh, in that one. Uh, so could be interesting to see, and especially uh, also, yeah, Pierre Gasly, Toro Rosso, Honda finished in uh, uh, second in that race. And so, yeah, talking about the history here with uh, – uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix last two years, uh, Max Verstappen winning 2019, uh, Lewis won in 2018. So um, there's history on both sides. Of course, again, the uh, first championship won here uh, for Lewis back in 2008. But uh, it's going to be a tough, tough hill, uh, uphill battle for Lewis. It's basically, you know, like I said earlier in the show, Hail Mary for him. Win, win the race, get fastest lap, win the sprint race, probably get points from that. Um, and then I'm going to have to hope that Lewis has a really bad race. I, I that hope that Max Verstappen is going to have a really bad race. Yeah. I mean, the engine situation uh, would state that that may not happen. It would be if the, I mean, they probably, they're not going to allow to have an extra engine anyway, but you know, you have Valtteri Botas who has six engine. Uh, I mean, that would be the way to go and make things happen, but Max has proven at a track where you can't pass anybody, uh, albeit it needed to be epically crazy circumstances, 
for him. Now, he said that uh, Valtteri Bottas won Russia. He won Turkey. Um, Lewis won his 100th race at Russia um, because of the crazy weather conditions and everything. Um, yeah, Lewis needs to win at Brazil. It hasn't been one of his best tracks. I mean, yeah, he won a couple of years ago, but it hasn't been one of his best tracks. Uh, he needs to win here. Needs to win Saudi or uh, Qatar and at uh, Saudi to make uh, the Abu Dhabi race actually matter, um, or needs Max Verstappen to have some sort of failure, which Red Bull is not known for having. So we will see what happens with that. Um, what McLaren versus Ferrari will look like. What. Pierre Gasly, who has done very well at Brazil, can he sneak a podium? I mean, to me, I think Max wins. I think he wins a pole, wins a sprint, goes and dominates the race, puts this thing farther out of reach. I want to see Lewis do what Josh was talking about, win the sprint, win the race, and gain some points on Max. So it's still interesting going into Qatar next week which we'll talk about here on the gsp but i mean it'll be something to see in regards to that um were you able to did you you made your pick i mean i'll go ahead and make it now now you're here uh picking this race um pole versus stopping uh race win Verstappen, the podium uh lewis and then gasly uh on third place yeah I mean, that sounds about like what's going to end up happening anyway. <laughs> Maybe Sergio Perez uh, gets up there. Maybe you have uh, Valtteri Botas gets up there. But I have a hard time believing that really does happen. Uh, yeah, football. I'll let you go first. Uh, you had the better Josh Allen on your Jacksonville Jaguars team for actual football. I have your Josh Allen in fake football, um, but give us how you beat one of the Super Bowl favorites, uh, the Buffalo Bills, made them uh, look kind of, you humbled them, and uh, I guess Urban Meyer got to bang out some co-eds and uh, get a victory there, biggest victory in his or in his early NFL career for sure. Yeah, it was a definitely a great win. Uh, you know, this this is my favorite type of game. You know, defensive struggle throughout on both sides, uh, and low scoring. You know, where it's just you know comes down to field goals and everything. And uh, I mean, it came down to basically the Bills didn't really have much of a running game. Um, not that they struggle to run the ball, but just that they choose not to run the ball. And most of their running comes through Josh Allen, anyways on, you know, designed runs, QB scrambles, I think. Uh, and so they're just able to focus on the pass, take away that, and then they just continue to harass uh, Josh uh, Allen throughout the day. Josh Allen sacking Josh Allen, Josh Allen intercepting Josh Allen, Josh Allen fumble recovery on Josh Allen. So uh, that's how it was and helped you out on fantasy and definitely helped you with uh, beating Demi on there. So that was good for you. Um and then, you know, I mean, on the Wilson, Jags. Wilson, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, Wilson. I, I was thinking, Damien, I don't know why, but yeah, I face him this week. But, yeah, it, yeah, you helped, helped you defeat Wilson. So now now we have no more undefeateds in the uh, uh, Fall Brawl League, which is good. Uh, gives me a, a chance to get back into uh, possibly getting a, a first place uh, if, it, if it's even possible. We'll see. Um, so uh, yeah, at least you're able to beat the guy that was uh, not def- uh, what that had been uh, without any loss until now. So uh, good for you on that end. Uh, of course, 
Um, the Jags, uh, Taven Bryan probably had the best game of his career, earned his name back for at least one game. Uh, you know, cause, uh, there's a joke that, uh, they mispronounce his name and it won't get, uh, pronounced correctly until he actually, uh, plays well. He had two sacks and pressured Josh Allen all day. So it was good. Uh, defense played really well, uh, for once offense, not so, not so great, but and they did what they needed to do uh, to win. They were able to get the field goals when they needed to. Um, Trevor Lawrence got hurt and that was definitely a, uh, uh, panic moment there. Um, uh, especially Walker Little, uh, letting him, the left tackle, letting him in, uh, get blocked into Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence falls, hits his ankle on the ground, and gets a minor sprain uh, and had to leave the game for a minute. And then, you know, C.J. Beathard comes in. C.J. beat hard. Uh, he's a gamer, uh, and, he, and he's here to fuck. So uh, that's uh, how it is uh, for him. And yeah, that would good be balls. something if he actually yeah. did that when he was on the 49ers so like four years. Yeah. But he definitely didn't do that. Yeah, and then uh, came in for a bit uh, and had some pretty good balls, but then Trevor Lawrence came back in uh, and wasn't really himself um, and wasn't as mobile um, and definitely played like he was hurt. So uh, it's going to be a good storyline to get into for next week, see if um, play the Colts, uh, if he's able to uh, be what we're used to being with Trevor Lawrence. And of course, James Robinson didn't play. I think that definitely changed the game plan for the Jags and they couldn't produce the same kind of offense they normally produce. They had Carlos Hyde on there. Uh, didn't, Another didn't have garbage the, former yeah. 49er. Yeah. So didn't have the um, same game plan there. So hopefully, you know, Trevor Lawrence is having issues against the Colts and then they're able to get uh, James Robinson back uh, for the Colts as well. So uh, should be interesting. And then uh, fantasy, yeah. Uh, beat um, what's his name Manny uh, pretty easily and then my other league won that one pretty easily so um, now six and three in this five and three my other league Uh, so uh, looks like things are on the up and up but uh, of course it's always tough and you know especially uh, with the way seating is going to work and everything I mean uh, it's going to be a a lot of tough matchups coming up here uh, uh, with the end of the league uh and then the playoffs so uh gotta gotta be able to get the team ready for the playoffs i guess yeah definitely in regards to that i mean uh you're lining yourself up you're gonna have a battle against demi here this week who might have a chance of sneaking in i'm still trying to figure out how i'm gonna align the uh playoffs here i mean demi's had a high score he beat me i think a few weeks ago uh, high points wise, he would be sixth. Or no, actually, yeah, he would be sixth. Over Randy, who you beat, he's lost three in a row. Won't make any trades. I've offered him numerous trades. Offered him trades for guys that are now injured. Wouldn't make any moves. Uh, Manny and Demi are both the Pittsburgh Steelers. Marks. In my case, I beat as uh, Josh mentioned. I beat Wilson. Wilson still finishing the top five and scoring for the week, the way everything worked out. And uh, I'll just bring up, like, for the double record situation, he's four games ahead of Vic, five ahead of Josh, with five to play. Uh, In regards to actual play, um, Josh is uh, closer. He's only two two games or two points behind uh, with a few weeks to go. In regards to the league, I mean, for me to go and get a win over Wilson's a big deal. Uh, had some great production out of Joe Mixon, who's on a bye this week. Uh, of course, Josh Allen, 
Jacksonville, Josh Allen, eight solo tackles there, um, two for loss, one sack. Uh, he had, you know, two, eight tackles, uh, 16, you know, one sack, one interception, one final recovery, one pass defended, two for a loss. So he was a jack of all trades there uh, to help me out. Quarterback position wasn't too great um, for either of us or either myself or Wilson uh, this week. Um, McCaffrey made his return, didn't have him in the lineup. Might have made it a little more interesting, but, um, you know, solid team effort to go and get that victory uh, going into week 10 of the season. Um, when it comes to... Um, let me think of that there. Uh, the, I mean, in regards to the actual Niners team, they didn't even show up on Sunday. It was one of the worst performances they've had under Kyle Shanahan. Uh, people that were working on my end weren't too compliant, but then the Niners basically were like, oh yeah, sure. Let's go and randomly run into this or that or the other thing. They didn't really try to challenge them because they were trying to figure out what they have. But you got to be able to go and battle against someone or something that isn't as good and go and make it happen in that spot and have the confidence to make it work. But there's also, you know, our pieces in regards to that. Um, Niners fans like myself are basically SOL because uh, they're not they're not good and uh, Kyle Shanahan isn't good John Lynch isn't good and Prague Marath and uh, Jed York don't have a clue either so they let me go and have a drunken uh, you know basically sit in front of on on the fly or whatever with a hot chick and go and talk about all this stuff that's going on when um getting further and further away from winning what matters most, which is the uh, title and uh, knocking off somebody who isn't going to go and really press during regular weeks, but in current situation, it will press during a quote playoff week. Um, Yeah. They got to get it turned around here. They play Jags. Yeah. The Niners. Yeah. I mean, I think the Jags probably be a three point favorite. I mean, the Niners, they have to play the LA Rams on Monday night football. So that could go really, really bad. But the funny part is for as bad as Shannon has been against everybody else in the league, he seems to have the LA Rams number. I mean, not, you know, I'm knocked on whatever because I'm like, he'll go and they'll get blown out again, which is what happened, uh, you know, today, you know, in regards to going in, you know, things like that. You have to go and show up. And there's a lot of players on this team that haven't shown up yet. And there's veteran players that are mailing it in too. And there's a backdoor chance of making the playoffs if you actually try. And that's, the whole point if you try you give yourself a chance if you're not going to try well yeah you deserve what's coming to you and you're going to be sitting at home and that's not acceptable to me as a fan or most people who are part of the faithful um but we'll see what happens in regards to what they do against chicago uh josh uh, let us know where uh we can follow you and follow your live uh sim streams yeah i mean as always you know you watch those sim streams at twitch tv slash ucla2 um thank the nascar 
iRacing Cup Series, Xfinity Series, Next Gen Car. Um, I think the first two are at Homestead, so it should be good. Try try to run the top, uh, maybe the middle. We'll see. You know, maybe send it in on the bottom. Uh, we'll see what happens, how the car feels. Um, the Next Gen, I think, is at Indianapolis for whatever reason. So it might be interesting to see how does it feel on a big oval like that with flat corners. Um, and how does it compare to the old car, especially in traffic, if uh, the draft it works better uh, or you get a lot of that turbulent, dirty air. So it should be interesting. Um, then, as always, you, know, you can follow the Twitter at um, uh, at JP Huffine. And then, again, the uh, Twitch TV slash user too. Go watch the uh, sim streams on there. Um, and then, uh, you know, go follow on Twitter. So, yeah, that's that's what I have for me. And you can follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can follow us at Pod on Twitter. We're on uh, Amazon Music, Apple Podcast. Um, give me a sec right over here. Yeah, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, um, Amazon, Spotify, iRadio, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So, I mean, we're we're out there. If you want to go and follow us, if you want to go and support us, throw a couple bucks our way. It would be great. It would help us out in a lot of ways. But, um, yeah, we're going to see what happens in regards to all that. I'm just driving them down, whatever. But um, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, with that, uh, we were on. I mean, it's a Twitter, we had Facebook. We're on YouTube with Scripture Pod. Um, but also whatever our team on uh, bowling, and um, we'll hope for the best. God bless to you. God bless to all that matters to you, as long as you're working reality um, and going and making the most out of life. So thank you for that and going and doing what we can while we're training and doing the most out of what we have to do. So um, take care. And uh, we will see you next week for episode 87, the Rift Trip Podcast, uh, talking about all that took place this weekend, regards to NASCAR, supercars, and whatever else is going on. You can hear it here on the Grift Street Podcast. Thank you for listening and take care and good night.